On the Virtual Bible Study tonight, we're going to talk about a subject that has eternal importance. Yeah, we want to talk about a subject. We've talked about it before. It's been a little while back, but it's a very important and interesting question. I think it's sometimes much misunderstood. We want to talk about forgiveness. Not not God forgiving us so much, but us forgiving one another in our study tonight. All right, we're going to get started on this right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 931- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and this is the virtual bible study for thursday november 4th 2021 thank you for joining us on the program tonight my name is jacob Gwynn. my father greg Gwynn is back in his spot tonight welcome back dad great to be with you glad that you're here kyle is here tonight kyle welcome it's good to be here. and you are here as well obviously thank you for joining us on the the program tonight and you can help make the program better call us at 931-381-4567 email us at questions at collegeview.com or sign in the chat room if you're watching us live whatever you do please take a minute and reach out and uh, let us know your comments or maybe just let us know you're out there we'd love to hear from you Jacob, uh, um, I think a lot of our listeners know that you're working with the uh, South Franklin Church in Franklin, Tennessee, and you all got a special thing this weekend. Yeah, uh, Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday afternoon, um, uh, some uh, special lessons from David Bunting. David Bunting, all right. Yeah. yeah. So if you are if you are in the Franklin area and can get there, you won't be sorry for going to join them for this special series of Bible studies and the website is southfranklinchurchofchrist.org. Southfranklinchurchofchrist.org. Look it up and get the directions to go there. Yep. Thanks. All right. So earlier today to our update list, we sent out an email telling you about our topic for discussion and asking these questions. Get on our list. If you're not, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say add me to the list. Here's the questions we sent out earlier today. How important is it to properly understand and practice true forgiveness? Number two, illustrate a situation where no sin is involved, but forgiveness is needed. How should such a situation be handled? Number three, Ephesians 4.32 instructs us to forgive, quote, just as God in Christ has forgiven you, unquote. List the attributes and characteristics of God's forgiveness. Number four, does the concept of conditional forgiveness justify the holding of grudges and the feelings of bitterness? And finally, Number five, does forgiveness always mean that the forgiven person will suffer no consequences from their sin? All right. I think those are important questions, and you hear them discussed a lot, Jacob. And and I, I'm kind of I, I'm of the opinion that forgiveness uh, seems like it should be a pretty easy topic to grasp, but I actually think it's much more complex than a lot of times we give it credit for being. And folks have some really strong uh, convictions in this For area. some reason, it's a really, uh, uh, no matter what position you take, it, people seem to take it emotion, a strong emotional stance. Because I think it is very, it's so important. I think everyone understands this. Um, but tonight, we may be presenting some, uh, some ideas about forgiveness that maybe are different than you hold. But we would encourage you to hear us out because whatever position we take on this subject, just as any other subject, we've got to be able to harmonize all that the Scriptures teach on the subject. Exactly. And so I can't take a position that forces a contradiction with some other passages. We've got to make sure we harmonize. And we want our, 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 our practices to align with what God has said, not with some standard that we set with a standard that God sets, and that's important. Because I think sometimes we, it is such an important subject that we sort of maybe develop our own standard that makes us feel like we're holy and we're doing the right thing, but it really gets down to what did God say about that. Yeah, and, and I, I think you're exactly right. And I think it's been probably compounded by the fact that secular people have had a lot to say about forgiveness. It's uh, People who are not approaching it from a religious perspective, but right. more from a psychological perspective. 
In other words, for your psychological health, you need to forgive in this way. Uh, if you want to have good mental health, you've got to deal with forgiveness in this fashion. And so they approach it not from a biblical standpoint right. always, but sometimes just from a philosophical or, or psychological. Right. Uh, and that sort of muddied the water. And I think some some folks are sort of have have developed an idea of forgiveness that's sort of a mishmash of what pop psychology says and what the Bible says. Yeah. So let's go. Let's go to the scriptures. Let's get the full picture here of what the Bible says on this subject. And we want you to join in the discussion. Nine three one three eight one four five six seven is the number to call tonight. So we started out with the question: How how important is it to properly understand and practice true forgiveness? Well, it is so important that you could be lost if you don't do it right. Oh yeah. Uh, and I said earlier, we're going to talk about forgiving one another, not so much about God forgiving us, but actually how we forgive one another impacts how God forgives us. Yeah. And, the, and the famous verse on this is uh, Jesus himself in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And so that's just how important it is. I, I don't think you can overstate it. Uh, there will be people, almost certainly there will be people who will be lost in hell because they refuse to forgive as they ought to do. Yeah, absolutely. And Jesus, Jesus lays it out there for us in un, uh, mis, hard to misunderstand terms that uh, this is something that can, can affect our soul's eternal destination. We've got some emails uh, that have come in today, and we're always looking for more. I've got, I've got the inbox open, and so if you'd like to answer any of these questions that we've put out there, we'll still be fielding uh, uh, answers in our inbox, and we've got our chat room window going. See Dwight and Michelle in Iowa. They're great. Grant and Janie are in Franklin, Tennessee. We need more comments, so join in. Uh, Kent and... Uh, Calhoun, Georgia, says the biblical doctrine of forgiveness is indeed important. Christ so stated that it, that it is in Luke 17, verses 1 through 4. Let me read that in Luke 17, verse 1. Then said he to the disciples, It is impossible but that offenses will come, but one to them through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day, turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. I'm very confident that that passage is one that we're going to talk about more as the program progresses tonight. But notice the high bar that Jesus set there, Jacob. If if your brother trespasses against you seven times in a day, but... each of those times he comes back and repents and asks for forgiveness. You've got to forgive him seven times a day. I'm going to tell you, you do this to me once, I might forgive you. You do it a second time, buddy, you're, you're pressing your life. You do it a third time, three strikes and you're out. Yep. No. Yep. Jesus said if he comes to you seven times in a day. You got to forgive him. Yeah, and that, and you you'd be tempted to say, you, you know, when are you gonna ever learn, buddy? You know, yeah. fat chance I'm gonna forgive you again. You've already done this so many times. No, yeah. Jesus says you got to keep on. Uh, Dwight, uh, Kent goes on to say Paul demonstrated such in Romans two verse twenty three regarding accountable, responsible individuals. The biblical concept of forgiveness includes meeting the conditions that God requires. We're going to talk more about that, but certainly. The importance of being willing to forgive, being having a forgiving spirit about you, very important. Yeah, Grant in Franklin, Tennessee, says it is of utmost importance. If we do not forgive, then God will not forgive us. Matthew six fourteen and fifteen. For if you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, and your heavenly Father will not forgive your transgressions. Matthew eighteen. 32 through 35, then summoning summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? Uh, And his Lord moved with anger and handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. 
And then Mark 11:26 he references, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. So, you know, that Matthew 18 text that Grant referenced there is just so powerful. Yep. I mean, that, is, that to me is one of the most striking parables that Jesus taught. Here's this guy. He owed his master a debt. And if you try to put a, a dollar figure on it, it's just astronomical. It's like crazy. There's, it's, it's hard to imagine that a person could incur that much debt, yep. much less ever expect to pay it off. And the master forgave him out of hand. The same guy found his fellow servant who owed him a debt, but it was payable. It would take, uh, as I calculated, I think it would take him about three months to work out the debt. And 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 the original servant wouldn't give him that time, wouldn't forgive him that minor debt when he himself had been forgiven so much. And that's what provoked the the master's rage against the original servant. And, and the picture is so clear. We are that servant. God has forgiven us a debt that we couldn't possibly repay. And then when we won't forgive one another of lesser things, it makes us look awful. Yep. And it's it's really a powerful parable. Yes. And then Dwight and is out in uh, Des Moines. Or sorry, yeah, the Des Moines, Iowa area. Ames, not, Ames. Ames. Yeah, sorry, Ames. <laughs> and he says, uh, understanding and practicing true forgiveness is very important. It can cost your soul. Matthew six fourteen and fifteen. Um, in, or, uh, in order to obtain heaven, we must not have sin in our lives. Not forgiving someone who has repented is sinful. And can cause us to miss out on heaven. Okay. And uh, Dwight and Michelle in the chat room tonight, and they also reference Luke 23, verse 34. Father, forgive them. Jesus said as he was being nailed to the cross, Jesus had the right attitude. Jesus wanted the people, of, Jesus desired the very people who were crucifying him, he desired for them to be forgiven. Okay. Now, we can, we'll talk a little bit more about how did that forgiveness uh, uh, manifest? How did it actually take place? But. Uh, and Dwight is, is pinpointing the attitude that Jesus had. And that's the attitude we've got. We want, we, we need to want people to be forgiven by God and by us. We need to desire to extend forgiveness. All right. 931-381-4567. Jump in the, on the phones. Jump in in the chat room tonight. If you're not signed in, sign in there with other, the other listeners. So you can share your comments. Now, the second question I sent out today, Jacob, is I think I may have uh, confused some people. Maybe, maybe I befuddled them with the way I asked this question. Illustrate a situation where no sin is involved, but forgiveness is needed. Okay. Okay. Uh, you had a party, and you didn't invite me. Right. It was good. Uh, Kyle, uh, you enjoyed it, didn't you? Well, <laughs> And, it, and, 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 and it, I'll tell you now, it hurt my feelings. It hurt my feelings when you did that. Uh, and and I've, 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 I've kind of felt badly toward you since then. Well, no sin was involved in that. You don't have to invite me to every party you have. And so what I need to do is I need to get over it. I shouldn't even be upset anyway. And I sh- if, if I feel that you've slighted me or wronged me in any way, you haven't sinned. I should just unilaterally forgive you of that. I, 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 I shouldn't even. It shouldn't even have been on my radar screen to start with, much less you know act out about it. So you know different things like that happen, uh, and uh, or, or it could be something else. You know. Uh, I didn't say anything but, nice about your shirt. Well, the last time you you were at my house and drove out my driveway, you ran over my flower bed. Yeah. And and left tire tracks across all that that i'd worked so hard to and and i was really upset about that i mean it tore up my flowers i need to just get over that i just i mean you you, you didn't sin by mashing my flowers unless and, i did it on purpose which you don't know you don't know but i could just unilaterally just say hey i just that's that's nothing I, i'm over that i forgive that Right. So I'm just thinking of situations of that nature okay. where no sin is involved, and I can unilaterally act to forgive. I had an example in Luke chapter 7, verse 41, Luke seven forty-one, beginning, there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence, the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? And Jesus is making a point. Those who are forgiven more appreciate it more. Right. But the point of it is, 
if you look at that, there's no sin. Well, typically, there might be an exception, but typically, it's not sinful to incur a debt. There's no sin involved. And this creditor, just out of hand, unilaterally forgave the two debtors who, who couldn't pay. And so what we see there is a, 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 a concept of, it's all on me. This is unilateral. I extend forgiveness. You don't have to do anything to get it. I just choose to forgive you for that. Because no sin was involved, and I can do it that way. That's that's the kind of thing that I was trying to describe in the question. I think uh, Dwight was on that same wavelength. He said a misunderstanding of what someone has said can be an example. Asking forgiveness for hurting their feelings, even though it needs to be said, uh, it should be done in a way that you would have others treat you. Okay. Uh, and then Kent said, uh, Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17, deals with the concept of personal offenses where someone is, has committed a personal wrong against a brother. Or another. However, it seems that some situations may arise where a misunderstanding may cause one to honestly think another has wronged them when in reality no wrongdoing or sin has taken place. In such situations, private discussion can take place among those involved. Clarification can be made regarding the situation under consideration and additional problems avoided. Regarding resolving such situations like this biblically can assist brethren in developing a stronger bond among, among themselves. Okay, I think that's Thanks, right. Kent. And I think he's he's picking up on the idea that I had there. You know, something, and how often have we known of situations where brethren became seriously alienated from one another over something that wasn't really all that important? It wasn't a matter of sin and righteousness. It would just hurt feelings or something of that nature. That should have been... T- if 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 that's all it is, I ought, I ought to act on that, and I don't even have to wait for you to take any action. I can do that all on my own, just unilaterally put it away. All right, time for a break. When we get back, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, well, when we get back, we're going to go on to the big question of the night, and that is, what can we learn about how God forgives? Ephesians 4.32 instructs us to forgive just as God in Christ has forgiven you. And so we want to think and talk about the various attributes and characteristics of God's forgiveness, how he extends it. All right. That's important. We've got to get this forgiveness thing right. And God is the ultimate example of that. What can we learn from him? We can get that on the other side of the break. And we'll hopefully include your comments in that. Send them in the chat room now. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. Here's a quick thought. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. Here's a challenge. Give thanks in all things, in every circumstance, Even the tough things, in all things, give thanks. This attitude causes us to think about what good can come from even the tough things. To ask the question, how is God molding me? Think about it and be thankful. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Day by day, what you choose, what you think, and what you do is who you become. Think only on those things that are in line with your principles and can bear the light of day. In seeking wisdom, thou art wise. In imagining that thou hast attained it, thou art a fool. Be wary of the man who urges an action in which he himself incurs no risk. Man, wish I'd said that. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight talking about forgiveness and uh, looking at... Uh, the importance of this, and it has internal consequences for us, and now to our ultimate example. Okay, so for, as we said, forgiveness, extremely important. You're going to miss heaven if you don't get forgiveness right. When no sin is involved, just just forgive. Just You don't, you don't have to even wait on the other person to even ask for it or, or to seek it. Just forgive. Get over it. Mm-hmm. And I really think we can do better about that because, as I said, unfortunately, we've known situations where petty issues became big, divisive problems in churches and so forth. We've got to get over that. But when sin is involved, 
that's the big thing. What, what if the situation involves a matter where my brother has sinned? And, and it may be that he's sinned against me or maybe he's sinned in some other way. Maybe the sin is, is, has directly affected me or maybe he's just sinned in some other way. How should we, how should we deal with forgiving a brother when he has sinned? Well, I think the key verse here that we want to base our answer upon, and I want to go back to what you said earlier, Jacob. Pop, pop, pop psychology books aside, whatever secular writers have said about, you know, secular uh, secular uh, religious writers are off on this. And I've known brethren to quote, this guy, he, he, he writes a lot of religious books. Uh, and and he's written about forgiveness. And here's what he's had to say about that. Well, when I read what he has to say about that, I realize what he has to say about that is not what the Bible says about that. You can't you can't put coffee. People are so off on this. Even religious people, even some of our own brethren, are so badly off on this question. We gotta go strictly to the Bible. So here's the key verse. I really think that our answer to this hinges on Ephesians four verse thirty two. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Uh, notice, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. So we should forgive just as God forgives. So that tells us that tells us what to do. Exactly. Do what God does when it comes to forgiveness. Okay. Uh, and now I, I don't think that statement could be any clearer. And so, uh, in fact, look, look at this. Let me go to the context of that just for a minute. In Ephesians 4, verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. The next verse, which is in the context of the chapter break there, is ill-placed. No. So, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you, be therefore followers of God as dear children. Do what God does. Yep. Do it. Do what God does in regards to forgiveness. Do it yep. just like He does. Okay. And and so that sets the pattern. Be imitators of God. All right. So how does He forgive? Well, the first point that I would make about this is that He is clearly willing to forgive. He He wants to forgive. And I'm going to say on each of these points, that ought to be our nature, too. We ought to want to forgive. How, how often, though, have you heard people say, I don't, I, I'll never forgive that guy as long as he lives. I don't care what happens. I will never forgive him. Yeah. Well, that, that attitude, we cannot possess that attitude. We have to be always ready and willing to forgive. And uh, some verses that we reference pretty often Really point that out about God. First Timothy two verses three and four. God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Second Peter three verse nine. The Lord is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so you see in those verses that God wants to forgive. Mm-hmm. And then I here's here's here. This couldn't be stated any plainer. Psalm eighty six verse five. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. So, one, one, uh, thankfully, a, a very important attribute of God is that he wants to forgive me. He's always ready to forgive me. Mm-hmm. He, never, he never possesses the attitude where he says, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to forgive him or not. Not feeling it today. I'm not. I'm going to have to think about that for a while. It's never that way with God. Yeah. Uh, God is always willing to forgive, and we should be too. I don't know how to do the emails here, Jacob, because I've got several points. Maybe we'll just run through my points, and then we'll go. Yeah, do yours, and we'll we'll pick these up. We'll go back. Okay. All right. Um, So first, first thing about God, He is willing to forgive. We must be willing to forgive. Second point, and this is really just an expansion of the first point. He actually aggressively pursues the the opportunity to forgive us. In other words, it's not just that he's willing to. I'm, it's not like, okay, I'll forgive him if he comes crawling on his belly over here to me and begs me. 
Oh, God pursues it. He, he, he wants to forgive, and he aggressively seeks the opportunity to be able to forgive us. He go, I guess we could say he goes the extra mile. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah. Now, I think, you know, interestingly there, God didn't have to do that, but he did. He sent yeah. his own son in order to make it possible for him to forgive us. Uh, and, and Jesus said we should be that way too. In Matthew 18, verse 15, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, sit back and wait for him to come and beg you. No, he said, if your brother trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. So the idea of not just being willing, but actually taking positive direct steps to accomplish that forgiveness. That's what God does, and that's what we should do. Okay. Now, here's the big key. The big key is that God's forgiveness is absolutely conditional. Okay. Now, when we say that, what we mean by that is when God God says, if you want to be forgiven, here's what needs to be done. Here are the conditions you must meet in order to obtain forgiveness. And the Bible's very plain about that. Uh, you know, we, we sometimes talk about the plan of salvation for the alien sinner. Uh, we have to have faith, repentance, confession, and baptism for the remission of sins. And we know all those verses, and I'm not going to take time to read all those verses. But if you think about that, in regards to those who are not yet Christians, God clearly has set conditions for them to meet. In order to get his forgiveness. He wants to forgive. He doesn't want any to perish. But he said, if you're going to be forgiven, here's what you got to do to get that. So he set forth conditions for the alien sinner. And, and then, of course, for those of us who are Christians, when we sin, we also have to meet conditions. Acts 8.22, when Simon the sorcerer had sinned after becoming a Christian, he was told, repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. And so... God is willing to forgive and aggressively pursues opportunities to forgive us, but he places conditions on our salvation. Now, uh, if you think about that, I want to go back for a minute to what Dwight mentioned in Luke 23, verse 34. Yeah, we gotta got to harmonize this because it seems to be a little bit different picture than what you just painted there. Okay, so... And Dwight brought this up, and I think he was right to do so. Luke twenty three thirty four, Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them as he was being nailed to the cross. Well, I know uh, they hadn't repented because they were still crucifying him, and I know they hadn't asked they, they, for they, forgiveness. They, they hadn't asked for forgiveness. It doesn't seem like at that point they were too sorry that, for what they mm-hmm. were doing. Uh, the full verse there, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Okay, now when did that happen? Did that happen just because Jesus said, Father, forgive them? No, we know when it happened. It happened in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when some of those same people were in the audience when Peter preached. And Peter preached to them, verse 36 of Acts 2, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said, you don't have to do anything because Jesus. It's already done. Unilaterally forgave you while he was hanging on the cross. That's not what he said. Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So Jesus Jesus, like the Father, the Father and Son are completely unified in this matter. Jesus wanted those people to be forgiven. And he and he was actually aggressively providing that opportunity by shedding his blood on the cross. But it was not accomplished until they met the conditions of pardon, well, as stated there in Acts chapter 2. We have a parallel of that in Acts chapter 7 where Stephen is being stoned and Remember, just before his death there, he says, Lord, don't lay, don't lay this sin on their account or don't charge them with this sin. Well, you know who was in that audience. Paul was in the audience. He was holding their coats. And he still had sin that needed to be 
uh, taken care of. That's a good point. I never really thought about that, but S- Stephen wanted his his murderers to be forgiven, but it what didn't happen until they met the conditions of pardon. Right. right. Good example. So, all right. So, here's the point. This is God. This is Jesus. That's fine for God and Jesus. God and Jesus, sure, they can they can name conditions if they want to. They they're sovereign beings. But that's not us. That's not us. What about us? Well, actually, we're told to do exactly the same thing. And it goes back to that passage we already read in Luke 17. Kent brought this up in his email. In Luke 17, verse 3, Take heed to yourselves. If your brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repents, there's your conditional statement, if he repents, forgive him. If he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again unto thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. So I'm saying we we are told to forgive just like God does. God's willing and ready and aggressively seeks opportunity to forgive us, but he doesn't forgive us until we meet the conditions of pardon, until we come to him seeking his forgiveness, and he tells us to do exactly the same thing. Uh, Dwight and Michelle make an interesting comment in the chat room. Jesus said, forgive them to God. Jesus did not tell them, I forgive you. Interesting. Interesting comment there. Uh, And they also say God forgave those in Acts chapter 2 after they repented and were baptized. These people nailed Jesus to the cross. Their sins were washed away with their baptism. Exactly right. All right. Um, I want to go out a little bit further on this limb. Oh, boy. Here we go. Uh when it says, if your brothers be on your guard, New America, this is New American Standard Version, be on your guard if your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. I'm going to tell you, I hear people say, I'm just going to forgive him anyway. I'm just, I, I, I don't care. I'm just going to, I'm just going to extend forgiveness without condition. Uh, I, I think, I think it's what's best. It's best for me. It's best for my emotional, mental health. I'm just, I, I don't care. I'm just going to, I'm just going to forgive him, uh, irregardless. I'll tell you, I don't think you have any authority to do that. I don't think the Bible gives us the authority to say that I can forgive when my brother has sinned and won't repent. I think I'm acting without authority, and that's sinful, to act without authority. And so to all the people who have this sort of, I feel very magnanimous about this. It makes me feel good. Uh, my brother sins, but I'm just going to forgive him. I'm just going to wipe that out. I'm start... You're actually doing something you don't have authority to do. Well, you're going to have to explain that one because that's going to make me a bitter old man. We'll get to this idea of bitterness. All right, we'll talk about that in a bit. Why don't we get a break, and when we get back, we'll get our listeners' emails, and we'll get your comments in the chat room as well. Um, What about this uh, idea, forgiving like God forgives? What do we learn from that? Uh, What do you think? Share your comments with us. We'll get this week's bullet point and get your comments. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Often when in discussions about religious subjects, someone will respond to an argument by saying, that's just your opinion. This typically indicates that the respondent does not have a good answer for the case that has just been presented, and they're trying to dismiss the force of the reasoning by simply labeling it as an opinion. Those who make this dismissive statement need to understand that it is their burden to prove that the matter under consideration is mere opinion. If there's no factual or real basis for the argument that has been made, then let them show this. But if they cannot, then the facts and evidence must be accepted and acted upon. Unfortunately, this seldom happens. On the other hand, if a thing can be proven to be only human opinion, there remain several options. First, if you detect that someone is trying to bind their opinions on others or trying to equate their personal opinions with the actual truth of God's word, then this must be immediately and forcefully opposed. When some were trying to force their view on circumcision, Paul said, quote, We gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you, unquote. Galatians 2, verse 5. We should do the same. Second, everyone who holds an opinion has a reason for doing so if, as they explain their position, you become convinced that it is reasonable, even potentially helpful, you might decide to become of that same opinion. As long as no one elevates this to a matter of necessary doctrine, such opinions can and sometimes do serve a useful purpose. Finally, even if you're not persuaded of the other person's opinion, you can agree to dwell together peaceably 
if both you and he can agree that this properly belongs in the area of personal conviction. If no one is guilty of, quote, despising his brother, Romans 14, verse 3, then both parties can continue to share the positive benefits of fellowship. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Rick Harris, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. I hope you'll join me and many others in this weekly Internet Bible study group. Be sure to listen every Thursday night. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And we're back on the program. Right, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more at collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. If you'd like to see instead of read, you can check out some videos there, Kyle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. College View live stream. We could just type in College View on the search bar on YouTube. You should pop right up. So, yeah, all kinds of studies. Studying Philippians on Wednesday nights now. So it's all kinds of. There's a wealth of study lessons on the uh, right. YouTube channel. The uh, Philippians study is interesting, isn't it, Kyle? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Philippians is a great epistle. All right, we're talking about uh, forgiveness on the program tonight. In the chat room, some interesting comments here. Brian in California says, I think we must be on guard of the hardness of heart that can accompany a conflict between members of the body. I've seen forgiveness without reconciliation. We must strive to see harmony restored between the parties, not just agree the schism is repaired and yet continue not to not keep company with one another. I think that's an interesting point. Uh, uh, it, a little, maybe I got a little bit of two thoughts about Brian's comment. One is, yes, I do think that we need to forgive uh, and and do it genuinely and thoroughly. And 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 uh, you know, I forgive you, but I'm keeping my eye on you, buddy, because mm-hmm. I think that you probably going to do this again and i'm going to pounce on you when you do and that was actually my next point that i was going to make when god forgives he forgives absolutely uh and and too often i think we never really get over something it's always an issue it's sort of like uh an open wound i'll forgive but i'll never forget you even hear people say that but notice psalm 103 verse 8 the lord is merciful and gracious He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And and, and so I think that's, uh, uh, so that's to, to Brian's point there. But on the other hand, I think the other side of that coin, and we're going to get to that here in our study, Sometimes there are lingering consequences of of sins that we've committed, and and although we've forgiven been and been forgiven, it may not put us back to square one. There may be some. There may be, unfortunately, sometimes there are consequences even to those who've been forgiven. All right. So hold that thought, Brian. We're going to get to that to the, at the end of the program. And Dwight and Michelle pose this interesting comment. If we forgive without the sinner repenting, we do them no favor. His soul is in danger as well as mine. I think that's right. I think Dwight's exactly right. So I'm just going to be real big-hearted here, and I'm going to forgive this guy, and I'm not even going to address it to him. I'm just going to unilaterally forgive him. As as Dwight says, I'm not doing him any favors because what I ought to be doing is going to him and pressing him to repent. By me having this faulty notion of forgiveness before he seeks it, before he repents of what he's done, I'm not helping him. I'm hurting him. Let's let's just put it into some terms that make that uh, that example maybe a little bit easier to understand. He stole my car. It, it was it was in my driveway last night. He stole it. I saw him driving around with it. I'm just going to forgive him, and he can keep driving just, the car. Can, just let him have the car for crying I, out loud. It's, it's just done. I'm done. I'm washing my hands of it. I can't, I can't take the, the 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 thought of just knowing that he's stolen my car and having that burnt. I'm just gonna. I, I just got to let go. I got to let it go. He's forgiven. Well, he's driving the stolen car. Yeah. He's gonna go to hell, and you're just gonna say, no, you can't do that. As Dwight right. and Michelle said. Yeah, exactly. Right. All right. Uh, let me make a couple more quick points here, Jacob. When God forgives, He forgives permanently. Uh, you know, sometimes when we supposedly forgive somebody, we're ready to bring it up. If something else happens, we, we'll, we'll drag up this old issue yeah. that we supposedly had forgiven someone about. But, 
uh, God's not that way. When he, when we meet his conditions for pardon, he forgives us and it's over and he won't bring that up. He will never charge us again with that, that he has forgiven us. Hebrews 10 verse 16, uh, the Hebrew writers are actually quoting Jeremiah 31. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds. I will write them and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. And so he's not going to bring it back up. He's not going to, he's, he, no matter what we might do in the future, if we've actually truly been forgiven, he's not going to bring that up again. And we should be that same way. Now, does that mean I have to forgive and forget? Well, I think that's that's a human expression. And uh, now here he says, their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. And maybe that's where we get that that. But I think that's a expression. misunderstanding of what the word remember means. That's, that's right. Because God does remember that we were sinners. Yeah. Ephesians 2 verse 1 says we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Yeah. So it's not like guys, oh, I don't know. Were they ever sinners? I can't sinners? remember. Let me think. No, I can't remember. No, that's not, it, it, that's not yeah. what that word means. Right. It means I won't, I won't charge him. I'm not with bringing it. Them, they're not coming back up. I'm not going to hold it against yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, he's not going to be accountable for that yeah. again. Yeah. So, so you did something terrible to me. I'll forgive you, but I'm never going to be able to forget that, you know, you, you, I mean, you think about some terrible things that are done and people are called to do some pretty phenomenal forgiving. They're probably never going to be able to forget yeah. what was done to them. So I really think that forgive and forget expression is not biblical. I think it's, it's man-made. And it, and it can't be a hindrance to us forgiving because if I think that's one of the conditions for me forgiving, well, I could never forget. I guess I'll just never be able to forgive him. Yeah. So, so if I, if I can never forget it, then I'm, I'm no, wasting my time trying to forgive. And that's yep. not true. Yeah. I had one more point in my list of the things that God does. So, uh, he, he's willing and aggressive to forgive. He forgives conditionally and absolutely. He forgives permanently and he forgives again and again. That's the amazing thing about God. God's capacity for forgiveness is incredible. First John 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, of course, that's a statement made to Christians. And notice, to Christians who've already been forgiven is the promise that he'll continue to forgive us as we uh, for, forsake our sins, as we confess our sins. And there's people who, that, that's, that's people who know better, right? Yeah. That's people who knew they shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. And they did it anyways. And, and, and that again goes to that, that statement that was made that Jesus said, if your brother sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day repents, you must forgive him. Yeah. We got to keep being ready to forgive over and over and over again. Yeah. All right, let's read our, our, our emailers, Jacob. Okay, here we go. Kent in Georgia says, uh, Ephesians 4.32 implies that God's forgiveness is conditional. Please consider the following. Such forgiveness does not erase the fact that sin has been committed. It does release those guilty of sin's enormous debt. God's conditional forgiveness of sin demonstrates the need for such in the lives of all accountable individuals. Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2, Romans 3, verse 23. Number three, God's conditional forgiveness is expensive. It costs God his only begotten son, and it costs Christ his precious blood. John 3, 16, 1 Peter 1, 18 through 25. Number four, God's conditional forgiveness has requirements that we must obey. Acts 2, 38, Acts 4, 8, 22, 1 John 1, 6 through 10, Matthew 6, 14 and 15. God's conditional forgiveness is complete. The basic definition of remission is dismissal, release, or sending away, Psalm 103, verses 11 and 12. Really good. I think that's right. Thank you, Kent. Grant says repentance is required, Luke 17, verse 3. Um, if he repents, forgive him. Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. There is no limit to the number of times you forgive someone, Luke 17, verse 4, seven times in a day. Matthew eighteen twenty one and twenty two seventy times seven. You know that's uh, that's the other one there. So we we mentioned Luke seventeen four. Actually, I think the one that Grant brings up there, Matthew eighteen twenty one and twenty two, is even more emphatic. Peter thought I think Peter thought he was being pretty generous when he says if if my bro- how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say unto you up to seven times, but unto 70 times seven. I think Peter thought he was being pretty big hearted. You know, I'll forgive him seven times. I'm going to count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then I'm done. And Jesus said, no, seven times 70. And obviously that's, that's 490, but I don't even think he was going to be able to count that much. Yeah, yeah. Don't even count the 490. Yeah. It just means limitlessly. Yeah. 
Um, here's Grant goes on and says, The blood of the covenant, Jesus' blood, needed to be poured in order for forgiveness of sins. Matthew 27, 27 and 28. Uh, talks about the blood of the covenant, which was poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 1, verse 7, uh, in whom we have redemption through his blood. Uh, thank you, Grant, for those comments. Appreciate those uh, tonight. Um, and I, let's see here. I think we have Dwight. He said, um, um, God's forgiveness is greatest. Is the greatest. God expects his, us to be obedient to his word. His word tells us we must repent to, in, to obtain forgiveness. This is what was told us in Acts 8, 20 and t- through 23. Talk about the assignment on the sorcerer. Yeah, repentance of this, thy wickedness. So, so repentance is God's give, God, As Dwight says, God's forgiveness is the greatest, and he expects us to be obedient to his word. So, again, the idea of you've got you to seek his forgiveness and meet his conditions. All right. I think that's pretty straightforward. Grant and Janie in the chat room said excellent points. We agree. Uh, our listeners uh, appreciate our listeners for the excellent comments tonight, and we want your comments in the chat room as well. So send let's, them in in the remaining part of the program. Oh, let's grab our last break, yeah. and when we come back, we'll quickly talk about, oh, you, you say you can wait for a person to fulfill conditions of forgiveness. Well, you're just, you're just holding a grudge. You're just a bitter old mean person. Let's talk about that, and then talk Real quickly about does forgiveness mean that all consequences are necessarily erased? All right. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study goes to the top of the hour right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. Are you sure that the Bible said something, but you just don't know where? Is your salvation based on a passage that you know is in the Bible, but when asked, you couldn't find it? Do you do things in worship, but you couldn't turn to a book, chapter, and verse to show that God wants you to do it? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you may be suffering from BDD, Bible Deficit Disorder. God said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. The College View Church of Christ is dedicated to overcoming Bible Deficit Disorder in the metro area by teaching the Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible. You are invited to attend our worship services on Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. Join us in the fight against Bible deficit disorder. Attend one of our services for a healthy dose of the Bible. That's at the College View Church of Christ. Please don't give in to Bible deficit disorder. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. The results of a 2021 survey show that only 45% of Americans agree that society is better off when more people are married. By comparison, 56% said the same in the 2017 survey. This new survey indicates that the number of people who believe marriage is needed to create strong families is just 52%, and that has declined 10 percentage points since 2015. When the current survey asked people if they think marriage is old-fashioned and out-of-date, 19% of respondents said yes. That's via the Christian Post. The Word of God says in Hebrews 13, verse 4, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. And we're back on the program tonight uh, as we go to the top of the hour, talking about forgiveness. And, uh, well, again, we're challenging uh, our listeners to consider the entirety of what the Scriptures teach on the subject to make sure that we are not forcing contradictions with our own application, that we are submitting uh, to the will of God in this area. It's very important. And now to the question that some will pose in uh, rebuttal to what you have said, that if I don't just forgive, even if someone hasn't asked, that it's going to potentially cause me to become bitter, to harbor grudges, uh, and to get some attitudes simply that are ungodly. Well, uh, first of all, uh, I, I think I think this expresses some of the great misunderstanding of this Bible subject. We uh, we agree wholeheartedly that holding grudges and feeling bitter are wrong. James 5, verse 9, Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Grudge holding is a sin. Uh, Ephesians four thirty one, which interestingly is just before the verse that we've been using as our basis. We've been using Ephesians four thirty two, forgive just as God forgives. But the previous verse says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Bitterness is a sin. 
and we're supposed to put it aside. And so, you know, I, I'm afraid some people are suggesting, well, you can't do both things. If you're gonna, if you're gonna practice conditional forgiveness, then you will be bitter and hold grudges. I think that's a false assumption. That's mm-hmm. not necessarily true that those things are irre- irrevocably joined. We can we can be like God and expect and 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 work for our brother to repent so he can be forgiven without being bitter or holding a grudge against it. We just have to. Okay. All right. Well, let's see what the listeners say. Kent says, no, it does not. Grudge holding and bitterness is within itself sinful. Ephesians four thirty one, Hebrews twelve fifteen. Okay. All right. Thank you for that, uh, Kent. Grant says. Um, no, Second Peter three verse nine uh, is patient, not wishing any to perish, but all come to repentance. Uh, Ephesians four thirty one thirty two, as we looked at Hebrews twelve fourteen and fifteen, as uh, Kent just referenced, pursue peace with all men and the sanctification, and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. Thank you, Grant, for that. Mohan says, if the other person does not repent and the subject matter needs to be brought up again, that does not mean we hold a grudge or have bitterness. The fruits of the Spirit are love, peace, gentleness, and kindness still needs to be shown. Exactly. Very good. Thank you for that, Mohan. Good to hear from you tonight up in Illinois. I see Dwight in Iowa says, no. Uh, Luke 17, verses 3 to 4 says, take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. Hang on a minute. Notice how that starts. Take heed to yourself. This is not an easy thing. Right. Take heed to yourself. All right. And if he sends you seven times in a day and seven times a day returns you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. If, you know, if, if. You know, the thing of it is, take heed. Jesus suggests this is this is hard. And, and there is a danger of bitterness and holding a grudge. Take heed to yourself about these things. They go on, or Dwight goes on, the only condition that the scriptures teach is repentance before forgiveness. Even if one, or even... If one does not repent, we should not hold a grudge and feel embittered towards him. He references Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 again, as has been referenced. Okay. All right. right. So I I hope that we can dispel that because that's what I get. That's the feedback I get, sort of the push, maybe more than feedback, sort of a pushback. When we teach we should forgive like God forgives, and clearly God forgives conditionally. He He forgives Completely, permanently, over and over again. He wants to forgive. He makes forgiveness easily accessible to us. All of those attributes we talked about should characterize us. I should want to forgive my brother. I should make it easy for my brother to be forgiven. But I can't forgive without my brother meeting the conditions of forgiveness. And to do so would actually harm him rather than help him. Okay. And... And whenever we make those points, someone says, oh, well, yeah, well, you're just holding a grudge. Uh, you just got feelings of bitterness. Well, it's possible. It's, it's certainly possible that that could happen, but that it's not necessarily so. Because that would have, that would, that would put, if you think about it, that would put God's commands to us in conflict. He would be telling us to do one thing that makes it impossible to do the other. Yeah, he hadn't done that. Maybe you've defined forgiveness the wrong way. Maybe releasing yourself of the bitterness and the grudge holding. Maybe and uh, maybe that is what you need to do. Don't call that forgiveness. You do that. That's your command. Call it what it is. Yeah. G- get rid of bitterness. Get rid of the grudges. But forgiveness is a different thing, yeah. and that is conditional. Good, good point. So that's one argument you're going to get in counter to this is, well, I can't be bitter. I can't hold a grudge. You're not. If you don't forgive, you cannot. And then you're going to get the argument, well, uh, Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them. We've talked about that. And so if I take care of those two arguments, then this is a, this is a false dilemma that I have to forgive unconditionally. I don't, I don't have to because I'm, I'm not going to hold a grudge. I'm not going to be bitter. And then I can, I can harmonize these other passages and say, I've got to forgive like God forgives. And God has all these ifs in his forgiveness that we need to make sure that we emulate. I think exactly right. All right. So finally, we got one last question. And the last question that we sent out today was, does forgiveness always mean that forgiven person will, will suffer no consequences for their sin? 
And I, I think the answer to that is clearly no. Uh, and, and I think the Bible would bear this out. Uh, let me let me read an uh, an article here. Uh, uh, th- this is by an author that some of you may have heard of, Joe Fitch. He's a he's a gospel preacher. He says, "In anger, a man insults, defames, and otherwise injures a longtime friend. Eventually, he repents and entreats God and his friend to forgive him. He about he apologizes to his friend and makes every effort to correct his grievous sin." The offended friend graciously accepts his apology and forgives him, never mentions the incident again, but is their relationship as though nothing ever happened? Probably not. Pardon does not eliminate the penalties for sins. A man robs. He's caught and convicted. In prison, he sincerely repents and turns to God. He apologizes to his victims and asks for their forgiveness. Will God and the victims forgive him his status, pardoned, but still in jail? Yeah. And I think that explains it. Yeah, think about it. Maybe you're in business with another uh, another Christian, and uh, he's responsible for the books, and you find out he's been embezzling. Yeah. Are you going to let him have the books without some kind of checks and balances from here on out? You'd be doing him a disservice if you just if you didn't think there were any consequences for the sin after forgiveness. You you ought to put some ba- checks and balances in there to ensure that he's not in, tempted to embezzle again. And so if I just sort of say, well, there's I, I have to go on like nothing ever happened, I could actually be putting him in harm's way spiritually. I I, I, I may need to. I may be uh, I may be mandated to change the way I interact with this person so in order that he's to protect not tempted him. anymore. Yeah. So here's, this is an article I wrote some time back. Uh, a man is abusive of his wife and children. For years, he is negligent and mean. Finally, he comes to himself, repents, and asks their forgiveness. They forgive him. But is it reasonable to imagine that his family will ever be rid of the terrible scars that have been inflicted? He is forgiven by his family and by God, but that family has been changed forever by his wrongs. Uh Here's another example. In a moment of uncontrolled rage, a man strikes another. The blow inflicts a mortal wound. He is arrested, convicted, sentenced. He mourns, repents, and seeks forgiveness. Can he be forgiven? Of course, but he must still suffer the consequences of his deed. Forgiveness, here's my conclusion in this article. Forgiveness is a wonderful thing, but how much better to live so as to limit the need to approach God and man seeking forgiveness all right good point good point here's what our listener kent said no it does not remove the consequences of sin uh when an individual obeys the conditions of god in order to receive forgiveness god does forgive them and so must we however such does not necessarily change specific problems resulting from sin matthew 5:32 and matthew 19:9 authorizes an innocent violated marriage partner to the right to divorce their guilty spouse because of the sin of a fornication if the guilty partner repents of such sin, the innocent violated marriage partner is obligated by God to forgive the guilty fornicator. This does not mean that the innocent partner is required to maintain the marriage. If an employee steals from his employer and repents, the employer is obligated to forgive the guilty employee, but is not required to maintain his employment. Agreed. Grant says, uh, no. The smoker may still have to deal with lung cancer. The drinker may still have to deal with uh, cirrhosis of the liver. The adulterous husband, having been divorced by his wife, will be not permitted to will not be permitted to marry another. The murderer will have to face the consequences for his act, which may include the death penalty. Uh, Mohan in Illinois says consequences can still be there. For example, if someone kills a family member of ours and the killer repents, he still has to pay the price of jail time or the death penalty. Yeah, even though we may forgive him. We can't keep him from going to the electric chair. And Dwight says, no, many people have forgiven others of very serious crimes, yet they still suffer the consequences. A cheating spouse can be forgiven, yet the consequences can be very bad. Drunk drivers may hurt or kill someone and be forgiven, yet they still suffer the consequences. Exactly right. All right. Good answers all. We appreciate our listeners for their participation tonight. Kyle, I hope you'll forgive us. We failed to get any comments from you tonight. Yeah, it was a good study. I think it's it's something we talk about pretty frequently, though, because it's it's it can be pretty. Don't you think that people? There, a lot of people are off on this very important question. And as I said at the outset, I think it's more complex than we usually give it credit for. Yeah, but it's so important. Uh, 
Uh, here's what Dwight and Michelle ask. One more question. Is it sometimes easier to forgive a non-Christian than a brother or sister in Christ? Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, uh, or uh, I would even expand it. Maybe sometimes to forgive a almost total stranger than it is to forgive a loved family member. And it shouldn't be so. All right. Good. Good comments tonight. Uh, All right. Uh, yeah. Kyle, thanks for helping us get it out good on study. there tonight. And, Dad, thank you for your time. Thanks, Jacob. It's an important discussion, and uh, there may be, may be listeners who disagree. Yeah. Uh, we're open uh, to a discussion with you anytime. Uh, we, if you can would like to discuss this with us further, questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use. You can have the floor next week if you'd like. Uh, we can talk about it again with you next week if you'd like. Uh, send us an email, questions at collegeview.com. Uh, we hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life. Study His inspired Word of the Bible and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.